when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Now, this is Cork Today with Patricia Massinger on the home of Cork's greatest hits. Cork's greatest hits. And a very happy Friday morning to you. Another week coming to a close. Looking forward to your company between now and one o'clock today, as always. Now, already getting texts in, still getting texts in, should I say, but already getting them in this morning about Peter Casey, the presidential candidate, and his views on the travelling community. And of course, some would say what he did yesterday was a publicity stunt. And if it was a publicity stunt for Peter Casey and his presidential campaign, it certainly worked because he had a huge media posse behind him yesterday when he went down to Cabra Bridge, which is just outside of Thurles in County Tipperary. And he went down to take a look at the houses the six houses that have been built for members of the travelling community and they are refusing to move in. The dispute now, I think we're finally getting to the crux of what the dispute is. They want grazing land for their horses. The stables, initially we were told it was because they wanted stables built and they wanted half an acre of land outside each house. Then it went to they wanted two stables per house and they wanted an acre of land each. But it seems somewhere in the middle is the truth. And it seems to be that they and they claim the members of the travelling community in this extended family claim they were given a promise when they agreed to move into these houses that there would be grazing land for their horses. At the moment, they're living on the side of the road just opposite where these houses have been built uh, for them. And they have their horses grazing on land behind the road if you know what I mean running behind where their where their mobile homes and caravans are so I suppose they're, they're in close contact with their horses and they're able to see their horses from what I can gather the land where the horses are on doesn't belong to them They, I think there's three different owners involved with the land there I know at one stage they were trying to claim that they had squatters rights because their horses have been there so long but anyway they want land at the back of the new houses basically is what they want and that's where the dispute lies so Peter Casey went down yesterday to take a look and of course drew attention again to this wonderful little estate of houses, six houses with the solar panels on the roof. I mean, you'd sort of look at these houses and think, wouldn't you love to move into one of them? Anyway, the argument rolls on and as I say, he went down en masse and a posse of of journalists and camera crew followed him, I suppose, in the hope that there was going to be some kind of a standoff between him and the travelling community. But that didn't happen because he didn't meet with any members of the travelling community. 
some of the papers are saying he refused to meet with members of the travelling community. I, I don't know if you would say refused. His point was they knew they knew he was there. They could have come over to him. He didn't want to invade on their privacy. So he spent about 20 minutes there. Got a bit tense, though, I think, between him and some of the journalists when he was, the journalists were pushing on points that he didn't like. He turned around and said they were actually at root. But he certainly got a lot of publicity. And he was in Cork for part of the day yesterday before he actually went to Thurles because I think he actually took the train. He, I, I think he took the train to Cork. I don't know if he took the train then to Thurles on, on the way back or not. And, uh, but even though I did see him drive, but he was certainly um, on the train yesterday, but he was down and around Cork. I know he was in the English market. He was over on the English market. And some of the newspapers today because obviously journalists are following him no matter where he goes, were saying that there were people, particularly in Cork, coming up and saying to Peter Casey, you're dead right in what you were saying. You're speaking up for a lot of people who are afraid to speak. And I know one man was asked, who had said to Peter Casey yesterday in Cork, well done, you know, well done for saying what, what, you, what you said. And a journalist went over and said, can I quote you on, on that comment that you just made to Peter Casey? Can I take your name, you know, and, and publish that, you know, Joe Bloggs of blah, 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 a state in Cork said to Peter Casey, you're right in saying what you're saying. And the man seemingly very angrily turned around to the journalist and said, what, do you want my house to be burnt out? And so refused point blank to give his name. And that sort of ties in with that Peter Casey is speaking for people who are afraid to speak up and verbalise these comments. And needless to say, all the other candidates still very, very much against what Peter Casey had to say, including the Taoiseach got involved in the controversy. And in what a lot of people are saying would be an unusual intervention, he effectively, he effectively urged people not to vote for Keith uh, for Peter Casey. Leo Radker yesterday said his remarks were very divisive and I think they're largely designed just to get attention for him. I think he said they're really regrettable and I hope that when the people of Ireland go to vote next Friday they will give Mr Casey and anyone who holds those views a very clear message. So that's a very unusual intervention on behalf of the uh, Taoiseach. But the, the story still rumbles on. Pat says, morning Patricia. According to the journalist Alison O'Connor and Pavi Point, the Irish are an ethnic race and anyone that says a thing about them is racist. These people would want to get a grip and get a life. Go to Rathkeel and have a look at the cars that these so-called travellers are driving and their houses. Some of the door handles are made of pure gold, uh, says uh, Pat. Well, we know Rathkeel is an area that has a lot of settled travellers and indeed a lot of, but they they are, when we say so-called travellers, they are members of the travelling community and very proud to be members of the travelling community. There's a number of houses in Rathkeel, isn't it, that are sort of locked up during the summer and they come back during the winter months because I know around Christmas Rathkeel population explodes because people come home for Christmas and then they travel throughout the year and they come back but they are very proud members of the travelling community and looking as you say at the very large houses and door handles made of gold I don't know if that's true uh, or not there are members of the travelling community who run very successful business businesses not all members of the travelling community live on the side of the road as Peter Casey was saying that there are people who park up on, on, on other people's lands you have very successful with business people uh, within the members of the travelling community. And just while I'm on Peter Casey, there's just one other point. Um, Lorna Siggins is writing about this in the Irish Times today. She's their Western uh, correspondent. Do you remember during the debate, the during Wednesday night's Pat Kenny debate, 
Peter Casey suggested that Michael Higgins had objected to a halting site near his home and Michael D. Higgins immediately jumped in and said that he had never, ever objected to a halting site. You know, he said he'd been elected in Galway City and County, he'd been on the County Council and he said that, this is Michael D, said he often took a stand, an unpopular stand on the rights of the travelling people to be offered housing and he said he never, ever objected but Peter Casey was adamant that uh, and is still denying that he made a mistake when he accused Michael D. Higgins of objecting to a travelling halting site in Galway in 1968. But it seems... It seems this is where the mistake might be. There is a, because seemingly no one um, in Dublin City Council, or Galway City Council, oh, oh sorry, um, Peter Casey said it's on public record that, that he objected. But there's a former Fianna Fáil mayor with a very similar name to Michael D. Higgins. He's a businessman and his name is Michael O'Higgin. And he said that he was one of majority of councillors who objected to plans in Galway Galway's County Council in 1968 to provide what's called a hard stand in Rathoon where travelling families have been camped and now people are wondering could that be the mistake could Peter Casey or someone on his team have seen this on public record a gentleman by the name of Michal O'Higgin and thought it was Michael D. Higgins and it's not. So one wonders, is that where the mistake uh, lies? Even though Peter Casey has denied he made a mistake when he accused Michael D. of objecting to a travelling halting site. And it'll be this day, next week. We won't be talking about this at all because the polls will be open and we'll be encouraging you to go and cast your vote. Now, coming up on the programme this morning... We have a a number of items to uh, get to. We're going to be talking about rural crime. Now, it seems Gardaí are, I wouldn't quite say celebrating, but they're proud of the fact that they say there has been a decrease in rural crime. And, you know, they publish their figures every year. And there's always a sense of we must be doing our job right if there's a decrease in various crimes. And it seems when it comes to rural crime, there's a decrease and a decrease when it comes in particular to, to burglaries. But... Rural organisations and farming organisations say they they completely disagree and they're citing one of the reasons why Garda numbers for rural crime might be down. It's because a lot of people in rural areas, if they if they become a victim of crime, what happens then is they don't report it. They say there's no point in reporting it. Nothing's going to be done about it. I'm only wasting my time if I report it. Others feel intimidated not to uh, report and it's one of the reasons we're always saying to people if you have been a victim of crime no matter how small or trivial you might feel the crime is is to report it it's the only way we're going to get clear figures as to whether crimes are going up up or down and obviously if there's a spike in a particular type of crime then a local area and if it's happening in a local area a local area has a really good chance of maybe getting extra Gardaí on the beat because to me nothing beats Gardaí on the beat are out and about in their squad cars. So anyway, we're going to talk about rural crime on the programme. We're going to look at this um, case that was before the court yesterday. It wasn't a case before the court. It was a group of uh, organisations in West Cork were before a judge. They were looking for an application for a licence for teenage discos. And, the, and we know there's been a problem with teenage discos. 
some would say, what are you talking about? There's always been a problem with teenage discos. Children go, you know, teenagers and their children, they go along to discos and they have a few drinks and they get drunk. Sure, hasn't that always been the way? Isn't it almost a rite right of passage as you're getting older? And maybe it is. Maybe that's what everybody did at some stage when you were 14, 15 or 16. You experimented with um, alcohol and nothing really untoward happened. And that's all well and good. But times they are changing and it does look like today's young people when they go out and get drunk they get so intoxicated that they're passing out and we had Dr Jason Vandervelt talking on this programme about at one teenage disco in West Cork having to set up a field hospital beside the event because there were so many young people who needed medical assistance and I remember at the time Dr Jason wasn't pointing the finger of blame at the organisers of the event he was saying where are the parents. So the people organising those discos were in court yesterday. The judge has didn't issue the licences yesterday but has come out with a list of recommendations. So we're going to speak with uh, Barry Roach of the Irish Times who was in court yesterday to find out more about that uh, story. Your thoughts welcomed because I suppose this, the last time we dealt with teenage discos I can't remember was it to do with when there had been an issue at one of the discos or not or whether it just it just uh, it just came up because I remember a parent contacted us who uh, said her life was unbearable she did not want her 14 year old daughter going to a particular disco because it had a reputation for a lot of underage drinking going on and she didn't want her daughter there and she said she was getting silent treatment at home and the banging of doors because the usual all of her friends were going and the mother at the time was putting out a call saying can we just stop these discos for once and for all so there's kind of two groups of parents there's the group of parents who say look our young people need somewhere to go there isn't a lot for them to do there are, there, you know, these discos aren't on every week and when they're on you know there's a build up and there's an excitement and the girls are planning what they're going to wear and what kind of style of makeup are they going to do and the boys get excited about going off with their mates and you know they all are just looking forward to having a fun night out but then on the other side you've got I'm slow to say the more conservative parents and I'm slow to say the more responsible parents but you've got parents who say I just do not want my son or or daughter at these discos and because everybody else is going pressure comes on and all it leads to is fights in in the house so there will be uh, one group of parents who will be saying to the judge cancel these discos we don't want them at all and there'll be other group of parents saying let these discos on they're so important for the teenagers so your thoughts uh, welcomed on that. We're also going to take a look at how we need to protect ourselves in old age. I mean, have you have you made out your will at the moment? Have you decided what kind of medical intervention you would like if you became incapacitated? Do you want to end up in a nursing home? Would you be happy to go to a nursing home? What kind of a nursing home? And they're kind of they're all the uncomfortable kind of things that we should be talking about when we're fit and healthy. We shouldn't have to be worrying about them when we're older and then our, if capacity is taken from us and then it's left to our families to make decisions and we've never had the conversation. So we'll start the conversation on the programme uh, today. And fingers crossed that we're going to have an interview about the hidden gems on the Wild Atlantic Way because we've been having problems trying to tie down somebody to do this interview. It's a new initiative that got launched this week by the Junior Minister for uh, Tourism and we've been promised interviews and we've been let down interviews and I think it's a wonderful initiative and we need to get the message out. So I'm fingers crossed that we'll get to do something on that today and we'll also go to the movies uh, with Mark that and your thoughts and comments welcome to throughout the morning 1850 333 103 
You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is C103, playing Cork's greatest hits. Find us online at c103.ie. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And now, take us with you everywhere, thanks to our free C103 app, available from the App Store. And a number of people quite uh, upset to hear that Peter Casey is... He hasn't pulled out. He says he's taking the weekend off from the campaign to think carefully about whether to continue in the race. Uh, Hi, Patricia. If Peter Casey pulls out of the race and we as a society are finished, the tail cannot be allowed to wag the dog. Uh, Someone else says it will be a sad day today if Peter Casey has to step down. I definitely will not go out and uh, vote if we give any more power to the travelling community than as a society were gone like the poor man that used a gun while he was being robbed and he paid the price uh, even though uh, those people were there to rob him the Gardaí needs to wake up and Leo Varadkar needs to cop on says a texter. Okay I'll leave them there I will come back to them because I can see a lot more texts uh, coming in but complexities over Garda divisional boundaries mean the nearest officers are not always dispatched especially when investigating crimes in rural areas. The issue was raised at the Joint Directors Committee on Justice by IFA Deputy President Richard Kennedy, who uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning. Uh, and, you, and you are welcome. Can you outline the type of incidents that have occurred where the nearest guard the station was contacted, but the local guardy were not able to respond? Yeah, we have one practical example. It happened in North Dublin, where there was a very serious incident within a kilometre of... Uh, of a guard, one guard station, and when the when the person, the victim, contacted that guard station, he was told that he had to contact another guard station, which was twenty over twenty kilometres away. That actually happened, and it's, look, it is it, accepted in, within the guard that 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 can happen, and. Uh, it needs to be changed because it's, it's a ludicrous situation. Yeah, because I know certainly locally we would have areas that that very much everybody identifies as an area in North Cork, but under the Garda remit, it's under the West Cork division. So it's 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 that kind of a divide, isn't it? And that's reflected all over the country. Yeah, well, I think that's an administrative problem, and it does need to be solved. And that is something that can be solved at a higher level. It doesn't have to be. It can be solved by the local Garda. And in fairness to them, I mean, it must be frustrating for them as well. But uh, that's something, look, it should not, that's in, in, in a time of, of difficulty when, when we have serious rural crime, um, it, that's one of the things that should be checked, uh, fixed up straight away because it, there should be greater cooperation and, the, near, and the, nearest, the nearest station to the incident should be the station that would go and deal with, um, Gardaí, that would go and deal with the incident. And what what was the incident where a Garda helicopter was up in the air, but the local Garda didn't know anything about it? Well, it was look, it was about a kilometre away from the local station. This actually happened in North Dublin, and it, it, it was a they, the Garda were pursuing a, a guy in the car, and yeah. he, anyway, they lost him, and he was seen within a kilometre, and by local people within a kilometre of the local station, and when and when the that. That person rang the local station. He was told, "This look, you have to write. You have to contact another station, twenty-two miles away." It's so crazy, it, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. Look, and, and we don't. We don't. We, that needs to be fixed. We don't want to make any more of it. And 
then it is a minister problem. And it yeah, bit, and a bit, a bit of joined up thinking. You have called for a rural crime task force, which is similar to a unit that operates in the United Kingdom. Talk to me about how that operates. Well, this is something, I mean, we have a lot of cooperation between between the Ulster Farmers Union, the National Farmers Union in the UK, and we have a common problem of rural crime in other countries. And we, we attended a, a seminar there during the year, and one of the things that seemed to be working very well in the UK was where they had a special bonus that where there was particular crime, bad crime in an area, and it couldn't be dealt with by the, by the normal with, by the normal police service, that that a unit would go in there of a, of a small number of people who would they spend their time there and stop that 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 crime the crime out there, you know, and it has it has worked. It has worked there, you know. Because Gardy say rural crime is the numbers are falling. To, but you disagree. Well, I think the vast majority of people out in the countryside would disagree with that. I mean, it, it, I, everywhere I travel, I mean, I hear people saying, "Asha, why would I?" You know, they tell me that they're cheap or stolen, or so stolen out of the yard, and I'd ask them to tell the Gardy because I think they should tell the Gardy. But they say to me, "Sure, we waste, waste my time," you know. And um, I might yes, I might they might call out to me at all. You know, they just feel that they're not going to be get, get a service. I think that all needs to change, and I think, look, we, we've been going on about this for some time, and we look at needs to change. And I think um, I have had recent meetings with superintendents and guards around the country, and I think there's a willingness there to tackle this problem. And with a new commissioner now, maybe there'll be a new, a new, you know, a new room might sweep clean. But I think, look, at the, the resources of the country have been a major issue for, for a long time, and now the country has picked up and they can, they can make the country has picked up, there will be more Gazi coming out on the, on the beach. And I think, look, it's very hard to go back. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame any Gazi for, for this. I'd say that, look, the system was, the, the service had, had run down in recent years. There were not, the numbers had fallen and it has been very difficult for them. But I think we have to have a visible, a visible, a visible Gaza force out in the country, say, in rural areas. And that means they must get into our cars and get out. And there must be supplied with cows and, be, and get out into the, into the community because otherwise you'll have an abandonment, abandonment of a garbage service and people will not feel, I mean, they, they feel, a lot of people in isolated areas, particularly if they live in their own, feel vulnerable. And that's fear and actually, you know, generating to ill health as well as everything else. And it's, it is a problem that can be solved. Yeah, there's no substitute for having Gardaí on the ground. There's no substitute yeah. for having Gardaí visibility in the ground. And it doesn't have to be inside in a station either. It can be out in a car. There's plenty of technology there now for, you know, and Gardaí should not be tied up with administrative work anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Getting, getting passports and things like that. That's not a job. Well, whatever, that should be a job for administrators to do that. Not the Gardaí. The Gardaí should do the job. And I'm, I'm quite certain that I, I would, I, 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 the finest people I've ever met have been people in the Gardaí. And uh, I, Look, I, this, is not a, this is not an expression on, on, on Gardaí, but what it is is in the system and the fact that they haven't been allowed to get out and there's not enough of them there. And as I say, you know, they are improving. And one of the things I would not want to say, and I've always tried to say it, is no matter how futile we might think that it is to report crime, I think we all should report crime to the Gardaí. Whatever happens, it's the only way we're going to get accurate and accurate That's numbers. Right. And That's and right. then and then if there is a spike in an area, there might be a chance of extra guardy in that area. That's precisely. The point. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Uh, look at the, the community. Uh, this is not a, a job on its own. The community 
and all of us are going to have to work together to get this, you know, to get these problems out. And I think it's, I mean, it is a problem that's solvable. There's no question about that. And just as an aside, we had reports yesterday, uh, Richard, of builders calling to homes, particularly older people, saying their roof was damaged and offering to fix it for excessive sums of, of money. And and the advice we were given was just never entertain workmen like that. And I, I take it you would be saying the same to your members when people would, call like that. I, I would absolutely be saying the same. And I think, look, and I, I, I alluded to already, community, I mean, we have community left, and we have text left, and we have all that sort of stuff in local communities. And I look, there's an obligation, I say, on communities as well to, you know, to identify people that are vulnerable and, and reassure them, you know, and have, have a local connection. Right? It doesn't have to be a guard, and it doesn't have to be vigilant, or anything like that. But it does require um, community support as well for people that are, that are under threat like that, you know, that, that there should be. Look, if somebody on their own are visited by these guys that are supposed to be doing work, that nobody, that those people, those vulnerable people, have a neighbour or someone they can talk to before they do anything and make any decisions. Yeah. Yeah, never employ a workman who calls uninvited. All right, uh, Richard, we'll talk again, no doubt. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Richard Kennedy, who is the Irish Farmers uh, Association's Deputy President. 1850-333-103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Teens should be randomly breath tested prior to discos and parents should be made to sign up to a parental responsibility charter when purchasing tickets to the events. These are just some of the recommendations made by Judge James McNulty yesterday on foot of applications to run teenage discos in West Cork. Barry Roach, Southern correspondent with the Irish Times, was in court and he joins me. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you are welcome. OK, who were the applicants in court yesterday looking for these licences? There were three. Bandon Rugby Club, Clannacilty Agriculture Show Committee and Clannacilty GA, each looking for separate uh, dance licences effectively under the 1935 uh, dance, Public Dance Halls Act. So Judge McNulty was hearing those. He had joined the Clannacilty ones to Bandon yesterday and the Bandon one was made then by uh, Bandon Rugby Club. And... Um, Basically, what I suppose he began by saying that the legislation was originally drawn up, perhaps by people more concerned with the pearls, the close dancing back in the 1940s, <laughs> but things had uh, events had moved on, and he referenced the fact that there had been a lot of media coverage back in earlier this year regarding a disco at Bandon Rugby Club, and just looking back at the, the points, as it were, uh, at the time back in February, there was um, around a dozen young teenagers uh, ended up screaming intoxicated and three of them had to be taken to hospital because they were uh, being capable of managing their own airways and Dr. Jason van der Velde, who's a pre-hospital emergency medicine uh, specialist, he, uh, I think, said at the time that uh, these three were paralytically, unconsciously drunk and he seriously feared for their their lives. His colleague um, at the time, Dr. Chris Luke, made the point that uh, he paid tribute to Dr. Vanderveld and the others who had attended the Mass Band and Rugby Club, uh, where they'd set up effectively a mini field hospital to deal with them. We, that was the context, I suppose. Um, first applicants was Band and Rugby Club, and Felicity Veronica never made the point that they took their responsibility 
very seriously and when they had uh, got some a lot of media coverage back in February because of this incident, the actual fact was that those who turned up or who were so drunk there actually had arrived intoxicated and didn't get alcohol there, weren't in the premises and a lot of people had actually gone to the disco without knowing at all about the ugly events that were happening outside. And she just gave uh, an indication of what their preparations involved for these dances. They hired, she said, um, some uh, 15 paid security staff. There are another 15 volunteers working in a row with the managing supervisors. They have a sick room, not just while covered, they have people fall, perhaps, uh, and they have two credit paramedics uh, working there uh, with oversight uh, available from uh, an emergency, uh, pre-hospital emergency. And, 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 and that in itself... That in itself seems unusual, uh, Barry, that you would need to have a sick room with advanced paramedics for a teenage disco. The, and these are discos that don't sell alcohol. They don't sell alcohol. Uh, and actually, Judge McNulty made that point. He said, you know, when you heard the level of preparation, the level of detail, he was concerned that this might somehow make it seem that this level of uh, intoxication was normalised. Uh, he wasn't, he said, quite trying to criticise or harangue those involved in organising these events A lot of young people go to these discos. They're they're not from. They're not local. They travel from the city. They travel from North Cork. Indeed, and this is the point he he was sort of covering. He was quite comprehensive in his list of commitments. I'll instruct my child and I will exercise appropriate control to ensure that he or she will not consume any alcohol ahead of, on the way to, or while attending your event. I will be personally involved in organising travelling arrangements for my child, going to and returning from this event, and I will be present when he or she returns home. He also wants them to give a commitment that they accept that the organisers and supervisors may at any time, at their discretion, cancel any ticket sold or refuse admission on the night and may ask a child to leave the event and not come again. And also that the parents will be contacted by mobile phone while the child is travelling to and from the event and while attending the event and that they will collect their child promptly from the event if requested to do so. And lastly, I suppose, he wants them to accept or acknowledge that there is no safe or acceptable level of drug use by any person under the age of 18. I'm aware that the parent would acknowledge that they were aware that drug use was a criminal offence and acknowledge that if their child is found using it or in possession of any drug, they would be required to come to the child's garrison and any court hearing that might follow. Wow. He was told that 
Yeah. And looking back at the reports, I think there was somebody was unconscious or very seriously inebriated and the uh, medical assistant was called and they were getting on the bus in the North Coast. So he acknowledged that point. Cliff uh, McCarthy made the point that within a West Coast context, for example, he would have not come to the Marines to kind of kill people because the Marine boys want to be kind of kill the girls and kind of kill the boys want to make the Marine girls, etc. So, you know, there is the days of it being a local event where have, um, we've moved on from that. But he did make the point that the greater the catchment area, then the greater the risk. And he also made the point that the more that are going to these events, then the greater the burden of supervision on those organising them. And he seemed to suggest, or more or less suggested, that perhaps they might look at reducing the numbers. We heard that, I think, the clinical event, the boiler room could, the 400, band in rugby, the bones event could, 350, that sort of thing. So he suggested perhaps that they reduce the numbers. The clinical GA is slightly different in that it's a younger clientele, as it were. It's the 12, 13-year-olds, isn't it? 30, yeah. I suggested perhaps, yeah, that, you know, you had a separate event for, there's a big difference between the 12-year-old going to a disco. And, and a 17-year-old. But these so are fun, these, these, these events are fundraisers, aren't they? I mean, they're to raise money for the rugby club, the agricultural show, or the GA club. That's the benefit of them. And, yeah. well, Veronica, that would be the point as well, that it was a sort of social outlet for uh, rugby club uh, members, but it seems to have gone well beyond that at this stage in terms of trying to get some well OK, so, so the judge didn't grant the licences. They're all back next month, isn't it? Yeah, well, he basically handed out this leaflet, or this parental responsibility commitment charter, as it were, to the solicitors, and he said, show them to your clients. Now, there were people there from Bandon Rugby Club, from Clinicality, GAA, Clinicality Agriculture Show. He's asking them to reflect on it. Are they happy to accept these recommendations and suggestions? And then they come back, in the case of Bandon, back to him for their decision and their licence on the 17th of November in Bandon, this report, the two Clinicality clubs are back in Clannacilty on November the 20th. So he's most, more or less put it back into the the, the court. Sorry, the ball is back in their court, as it yeah. were, in terms of what they're willing to... But given that it seems that that seems to be the requirement that they will have to uh, adhere to, I can't see them not coming back and accepting those uh, these suggestions. Talking to a few people, talking to one or two guys afterwards, they were making the point that, you know, the issue can be something like the fact that you can get 14-year-olds book, 14 booking buses themselves and organising. Yeah, yeah. Uh, parents not being involved. Somebody from Clinical TGA was telling me that there's a bus coming from Valley Hub to their event. All the kids go on the bus, but the parents travel behind in a car. I think there are three, parents, or three car loads of parents who come over, see that they're dropped off okay, go into Clannacilty there and then come back and accompany the bus. That's good, the that's good supervision. So Maybe it's good. more It's more of that is what we need. All right, that's it's... what is he's targeting, I think, getting parents more involved and taking responsibility for it. Okay, so Barry, good. listen, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Barry Roach, who is the okay. Southern Correspondent. Good morning to you. Southern Correspondent with the uh, Irish uh, Times uh, and I can already see some parents coming in saying that, yeah, it's a good move uh, and others saying... Is it going to work? How can you force a parent to sign that consent form? Well, if you don't sign the consent form, it looks like your son or daughter won't get a ticket to go to the disco. Okay, we're going to take a break. We are heading towards news at 11 o'clock. I can see a lot of commentary coming in on Peter Casey and the news that he has decided to take the weekend off campaigning to think carefully about whether he will consider remaining in the presidential race. We'll talk more about this after news at 11. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family 
family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Beautiful little thank you card in, can I just acknowledge this, from Joanne Murphy in Turner's Cross. And Joanne writes, uh, because she won one of our prizes to go along to see the Nightingale at the Ro- and the Rose in the Everyman Theatre, along with dinner at Green's. And she writes in her little note, I took my niece with me and we were treated like royalty at Green's restaurant. Then on to our first ever opera. We really enjoyed it. It was a great first dip into the world of opera. Talent was unbelievable. Singers, musicians, dancers. So just to let you know, the whole uh, event was hugely appreciated. Isn't that lovely? Thank you for that. That is uh, Joanne Murphy in Turner's Cross. Thrilled to hear that you had such a good night uh, out. Cork County Council and Irish Water have been on to say that due to a burst main, there's going to be no water in the following areas tomorrow, Saturday, while they do repairs from 8.30 in the morning until 3 tomorrow. Goulds Hill, Townview, Tremor Drive, Wards Terrace, so Keith's Walk and Sandfield. Cork County Council, Irish Water apologise for any inconvenience caused. So get your water in and ready and your buckets filled up for the toilet and the flask and the kettle filled. Goulds Hill, Townview, Jamore Drive, Wards Terrace, O'Keefe Walk and Sandfield, areas of Mallow. Tomorrow, water outage, half eight until three. OK, let me take a look at some of your calls uh, coming in. I can see there are some calls and comments coming in about the underage discos and what happened in court yesterday. I'll get to those. But a huge, huge reaction to the news that Peter Casey has uh, issued a statement staying in light of the events the past few days he's taken the weekend off to campaign and to think about whether he will continue in the race or not. Uh, John Paul tells me he was speaking on radio, I think it was on Galway Bay radio. He was obviously scheduled to do an interview, I'm assuming, uh, this morning. Here's a snatch of uh, what he had to say. I am considering it. I'm going to take the weekend off and reflect on my position and I'll make my final decision on um, on Sunday. I'll make an announcement on Monday. I think Leo Varadkar is a total disgrace for him to say and interfere in the presidential process in the election. He should keep his trap shut. Strong words from uh, Peter Casey about Leo Varadkar. Some of your comments in, I have to say, some of them we can't repeat because they're equally strong. Anne says, I would hate for Peter Casey to leave the race. He was uh, truthful in what he said about the travelling community. I think he should remain. Anna says, I think the man came out and told the truth. Uh, agrees, cannot see why Leo Varadkar got involved with this. Nothing to do with him. He shouldn't be intervening in a presidential uh, race. Some of your WhatsApps and texts uh, in. Morning, Patricia. Oh, is that right, what I'm hearing? You're saying that Peter Casey is thinking of pulling out of the presidential race. Oh, boy, if he does this, it will be a damn shame. I'll change the word. As he has, it uh, wasn't a very bad word, but just in case some people might get offended about it. As he only spoke the truth. So why back out now? We can't start to let those bodies shut down our freedom of speech. People may not like what you say, but if it's true, why should we be afraid to speak our mind? This is not a communist country that we live in after all. We do have free speech and free speech always. That's from Heidi. 
by text. Peter Casey should not step down. He should let the the people should back him, says uh, Mary. Someone else says, Leo Varadka was wrong to speak out against Peter Casey, who has every right to freedom of speech, and the views expressed were only what a number of people actually agree with. The government have shown their discrimination in talking down a candidate who highlighted what is a diabolical situation and what's going on with those empty houses in uh, Thurless. Someone else says, I hope Peter Casey stays in the race because he would be getting my vote. Another text, you know why he is asked to step out of the presidential uh, race and uh, pull out of the running. It's because the big, now I can't say that word on air, the big wigs in Dublin know he just might be president and he might fight for the people of this country. Let Leo go and fight for our country with the border and Brexit. And by the way, let us have a united Ireland, says this uh, texter. Kevin in West Limerick says, Hi Patricia, Kim, could we say that all farmers are an ethnic minority. They all had horses at one stage. They were all born in Ireland, the same as members of the travelling community. The next thing they'll need is the closing off of the public road so they can have their sulky racing. Whereas Pavi point when they are when members of the travelling community are ripping off old people across the world, and that's from Kevin, who messages us from West um, Limerick. And then somebody who obviously is not a fan of Peter Casey says the only reason the media were there in such huge numbers yesterday where they was fearful that the travellers might attack him and pity they didn't uh, straighten him for the road I don't, that's a saying I don't quite know um, an obnoxious creature okay so there's somebody who's very much disagrees with what Peter Casey said about the travelling community and obviously will be very much in favour of Peter Casey stepping out of the election we're going to have to wait as I say he's going to reflect over the weekend no doubt he talked to his family I'm assuming he's got handlers and a campaign team around him and collectively they will make a decision now it'll be interesting because we're expecting some opinion polls at the weekend there's certainly been an opinion poll in one of the Sunday papers on Sunday that would have been taken after he went public on his views he was lowest in the last opinion poll that came out earlier on in the week and he was at only 2%. So it'll be, I, I, I'm particularly interested to see how he does in the next opinion poll. Will that influence his decision to remain in the race or not? Only time will tell. It'll be Monday. It'll be Monday morning, hopefully, before we know exactly what is going on. OK, discos and underage discos and what is uh, happening. Now, we're trying to get through to somebody from the boiler room because I've had a few texts in uh, including uh, one that says, um, Hi Patricia, I'm trying to buy tickets for the boiler in Clannacilty. They're going on sale tonight. Can you purchase more than one ticket? I'm trying to buy four tickets. Someone else says, uh, Patricia, could you ask the organisers of the boiler in Clan, is the Halloween disco going ahead and are the tickets on sale tonight in Clannacilty and Bally de Hob? And if so, can I purchase three tickets? I'm a parent and my daughter wants to get tickets for herself and for her two friends and their parents are not available to go tonight. Does anybody know what is happening? OK, I know John Paul is trying to get through to somebody from the Boiler ru- boiler a Disco in Clan to see what, what is going on. I, I don't know if the Halloween Disco is going ahead. I'm assuming it is because they're, they're not back in court until next month when 
the when they'll be issued with these licenses. All parties will return to the court next month, having considered the proposals that the judge, Judge James McNulty, mentioned yesterday, and the particular one that I'm assuming this listener is worried about is the parental responsibility commi- commitments, whereby parents must go themselves to buy the tickets and then they must sign these parental commitment form. Now I can see what you're worried about if you're buying tickets for other under 18s you can't sign on for another parent so is that going to cause problems going forward if parents have to turn up to buy the tickets in advance and they're not always able to do it will it cause problems only time will tell on that one I don't know my gut instinct would say if there's a disco on for Halloween during midterm that'll be the week after next so I don't think it's going to be influenced by this because this is something that's going to be dealt with next month in uh, court. Anyway, if there's anybody listening who organises the boiler, the teenage disco in Clan, could you get on to us, please? Because there's just a couple of queries coming in. And a number of people, by the way, are agreeing with what Judge James McNulty said yesterday. Marcus, I think it's a brilliant idea. It needs to be done. And, that, and it's long, long overdue. Elizabeth said, my young fella, does you love that? And a young girl used to always attend those discos. There was never any trouble. And yes, like in every generation, drink was taken, but it was normally outside of the disco, either before or after. But today, the problem with the younger generation is they're mixing more than drink. There's drugs involved at all. And that's a much more serious problem. To think of drugs in, and we're talking about children as young as 12 up to 17, doesn't bear thinking about. Jerry and Enniskeen, it's no harm to bring in the breathalysers, but I wonder how will that work? Is it not going to hold everything up if you've got to breathalyse everybody on the way in? How practical is that? No, that wasn't what the judge said. He said carry out random breathalyser tests on, on teenagers. He wasn't saying you breathalyse everybody on the way in. Uh, Kieran in Clan, listening to your reporter, our reporter, by the way, was uh, Barry Roach, Southern correspondent with the Irish Times. Speaking about the discos, why why are there why is there people and buses coming from Cantor to Clonakilty? Have they no disco there themselves? Of course, if they're travelling that journey, they're going to be hiding drink from the bus driver and more than likely drinking on the bus. And once they get off the bus, that's when all the problems get out of hand. Uh, it's it's hard to stop this from happening, but I think those running the buses should refuse taking teenagers from one of the party one of the one part of the county to the other. See. I don't bus companies are there to to make a living out of hiring buses. I mean they're not there to be the moral guardian of who's actually on the bus. The problem that we seem to have, a lot of these buses are being organized by the young people themselves. And the bus company will say once you pay up for the bus, I mean they don't have to have adult supervision. I think listening to Barry talk about what happens in Ballydehob where the young people get on a bus and then there's a group of parents travel behind the bus and then they're there when everybody alights the bus to make sure that nobody has been drinking. Now, don't you know some of the young people would probably sneak in a few drinks but they're not going to fall off the bus if they know mammy's in the car or daddy's in the car behind, that's for sure. But I think what the judge is trying to do is try to get more parental responsibility. And Dr. Jason would say the same thing. He would say, you need to know what your children are doing. And, um, you know, and of course, then when when mammy or daddy gets contacted to say, I have Johnny collapsed in the field hospital at the back of the uh, local GAA club where the disco was on, inevitably mammy or daddy will say, Usher Johnny's 
Johnny's mineral must have been spiked. It's very hard to get the parents to admit that their child has drank too much or has taken tablets at the same time. And it's the drugs that they're taking one would have to worry about. And then a very, very worrying text from a listener to say, hi, Patricia, I believe you're discussing young people and discos this morning. Are you and other parents aware that the new craze for girls is to go out without underwear? Yes, that's correct. No knickers. How disgusting is that? Wouldn't one think twice about sliding along a seat at a bar or a pub from now on? My friend was at the races recently. It was a family day. They actually had to leave because she had her 12-year-old son with her and she said it was totally inappropriate to have him there due to the girls exposing their lady bits. If boys began doing that, they'd be arrested for indecent exposure and rightly so. Really, was George Hook that wrong after all? Please don't disclose my name for obvious reasons. Now, I, uh, and I shouldn't laugh because if it is an, a, a new phrase, God help us in a new phrase. Anybody else? Can anybody else concur? Agree? Tell me that that is going on. A new craze for girls. And I don't know, I, I'm assuming the older teenagers, we're not talking about 12 year olds. Are we talking about under 18s? And if you're talking about it inside in bars and pubs, we're talking about them in their early 20s. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, um, I've, I've, I haven't heard of it. I, ha- I, I haven't heard of it before, though. That's not to say it is not going on. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Kay says, hi, Patricia. The teenage discos are a disgrace. Parents need to wake up. Don't let your child don't let your child go on a sleepover for dis- discuss. That's where the experiment with drink and drugs really begin. Also, the parents that have children sleeping over in their house are responsible for them if they take something when under their roof. Responsible parents don't let their children travel by bus and they make sure they're outside the disco to collect them afterwards. The number of discos allowed at each venue should also be reduced, says uh, Kay. Now, I don't know, the judge didn't mention that. I mean, obviously, all the three groups, Bandon Rugby Club, Clannacilty Agriculture, Sean Clannacilty GAA, who were all in there seeking licences uh, yesterday. I'm assuming it's for a certain number of discos each per year, but I didn't see I didn't see anything in Barry's report about the number of discos they're actually applying for, but Kay reckons there are simply too many of them. But yeah, parental responsibility and sleepovers. And I, I know the last time we discussed it, um, a woman contacted us, her 16-year-old daughter, and she was going to a house party before the disco. The mum wasn't that happy about it. She said she'd drop her over to the house. And she said when she got to the door of the house, the door was opened by the 16-year-old coming out uh, with uh, a glass of wine in her hand. This was the friend. And trotting along behind her was the 16-year-old's mother with a glass of wine in her hand. And she just she said she knew straight away then that the uh, alcohol this family didn't have a problem with under 18s drinking whereas she did she was quite strict about it she didn't want her daughter drinking at uh, 16 so so you'll get some parents who think it's okay and think it's fine and other parents who don't and then you've got a major problem because your children are going to want to stay at the house and you know do you know what's really going on uh, in a particular house unless you know the parents really well 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs. 
ground worker slash machine operators required, you must have manual handling and a safe pass. Part-time sales assistant required in a bathroom and tile showroom and a part-time home care worker is wanted for St. Mary's Day Care Centre in Mallow. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. Almost half of adults in Ireland have not planned ahead for their future, leaving themselves more vulnerable to abuse. That's according to new research commissioned by Safeguarding Ireland. Patricia Rickard Clark is chairperson of Safeguarding Ireland and she joins me. Good morning to you, Patricia. Uh, good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, outline what you mean by planning uh, ahead. What, what do we need to put in place? This is more than just writing your will. Oh, absolutely. When, when, when you write your will, your will only takes a pla- place when you're dead and there is detailed legislation and what happens if you don't make a will. Whereas uh, we're all living longer, uh, but also, um, you know, sometimes we uh, get ill or have accidents or something or we're in a situation and indeed uh, when we age, we're not in a position to make decisions for ourselves. So it's really important that people do think of uh, a situation where they're unable to make critical decisions for themselves and they need to put in place legal arrangements, in other words, to nominate a suitable person uh, to make those decisions for them. So what we're talking about is, um, well, first of all, just to say that uh, apart from making a will, there is then also um, uh, making an advanced healthcare directive. Only 11% of people surveyed uh, knew what an advanced healthcare directive was. Now explain which, what that is. Yes, it is actually healthcare decisions. So you're setting out your wishes with regard to the and and actually in making an arrangement you're appointing somebody uh, who can consent and refuse to med- re- medical treatment on your behalf. So really, really important and particularly for older people that's an extremely important uh, um, arrangement including of course end of life care. What sort of end of life care uh, you wish to have, of care, comfort care. There's a lot of confusion over that, uh, particularly with families uh, where one family think they have uh, the right to make decisions on another person's behalf and that is not correct. Uh, but the other issue is that um, the if decisions are then taken that you may not have agreed with and you may not wish to have a particular treatment that's given to you. So in the survey also then, uh, only 8% had discussed their preferred place of residence with a family member. Uh, and again, um, as you know, there's a lot of delay, discharge in hospitals and whatever, particularly of older people. And one of those delays is caused by the fact that nobody knows what the person's wishes are, where they wish to receive their long, long-term care. So a really uh, important point. And then the other is making a an enjoying power of attorney. Now, uh, what that means again is appointing somebody it's not an attorney does not mean a lawyer but uh, appointing somebody with authority and an enjoying power of attorney covers mainly your legal and financial decisions Uh, so it's important to give authority to somebody um, to actually use your bank account and use your bank account for your benefit so when we're talking about safeguarding um, particularly safe talking about financial abuse uh, one of the highest levels of abuse is financial abuse of older people. 
So if we look at some of the figures um, on, say, for HSE figures last year from their safeguarding teams, and I would emphasise that these are only minimal figures, they're not national data. So figures collected from the disability services and, indeed, older age services. So um, for people between the age of 18 and 64, the level of financial abuse is at 11%. If you're over the age of 65, that goes up to 21, 22%. But if you're over the age of 80 years of age, that goes up to 30%. Wow. So there are serious issues there in relation to financial abuse. And many people don't even see it as, as, as abuse. People and that's a big problem. That's a big problem. So collecting the pension and pocketing some of it or whatever, or not paying nursing home fees on behalf of an older person and, you know, again, taking the pension. Now, when I mention pension, I'm not only talking about state pension, I'm talking about, say, occupational pensions or other pensions that people may have. So it's really, really important that... uh, you and me appoint somebody with that authority uh, to make those financial decisions and to actually set out our wishes with regard to how our money should be spent for our benefit. So, really and, and you do it, uh, Patricia, while you're young and uh, healthy is the key, Abs- not when you're Abs- older and more vulnerable. Absolutely. To see, what happens is many people, when they're older and they're in that critical, awful space, they've fallen, they've broken the hip, they're in hospital, they're in acute care, and then everybody is wondering and asking them to make decisions which really is the wrong time. So when we all have capacity now, we can sit back, we can uh, make arrangements and we then actually can should review those arrangements as we get older and our circumstances may change. But really important, um, so uh, the place of care decision, the EPA and the Advanced Healthcare Directive. Now, just if I can say that to make an EPA, you do need to go to a solicitor. Um, but to do the other to your, make your place of care decision, you can write it down, talk to your family members, but critically nominate somebody with legal authority. And then the Advanced Healthcare Directive similarly. There is a Think Ahead form on the uh, website. The website is www.safeguardingireland.org. And the Think Ahead form was devised by the Irish Hospice Foundation. There is a detailed guide and a form. And, of course, there are many other things uh, in that Think Ahead form that you might want to set out your wishes uh, with regard to, say, if you you go into hospital and you have a pet, for example, and all of that. Very stressing Where where does the pet go? Yes, and who looks after it? Where does it go? The other thing is where you lack capacity. Where is your bank account? Where are your insurance policies? All of that. So very uh, important issues. Yeah, because I saw a piece. I was I was reading a piece when I knew you were coming on the program from the Banking and uh, Payments Federation, and you know they were saying to think long and hard for older people about setting up a joint bank account. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and that's something you think, oh, I'll do a joint bank account because oh, it'll be the easiest thing, and, and sure. But you've got to be careful who you set up that joint bank Absolutely. account with. Absolutely. So in appointing anybody for any of these tasks. Um, and they're more than tasks, but any of these, effectively, they're making decisions on your behalf because you cannot make them yourself. You need to appoint a suitable person, not necessarily uh, your family member, because, uh, again, research back in 2010 by UCD on financial abuse and indeed the whole question of who perpetrates abuse a very high level is by family members, close relatives. So it's up at 70, 75%. So really important that you pick a suitable person and actually you have a conversation with them. And just coming to next of kin as well, 
sage advocacy, um, we all think our next of kin have automatic authority to make our decisions. And that is not the case. Uh, sage advocacy did a survey there a couple of months ago um, on um, what, what you feel the role of your next of kin is. And in fact, uh, a large 57% said uh, someone who can make healthcare decisions on your behalf or consent to medical treatment, uh, which of course is not the case at all. 52% uh, said that somebody who can uh, give decisions about life support treatment, that's very critical and serious, um, you know, uh, decision to have yeah. to make. And, and yet people don't seem to be aware that they need to appoint somebody. And then uh, 35% felt uh, that um, someone who can access my bank account and my assets if I, 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 I'm unable to. And of course, because we haven't actually have a culture of making arrangements or entering into them, we very bad practices uh, have grown up where people and families just dip in. So even when they collect the pension, they might pocket five euro of it or indeed they don't pay the nursing home fee or whatever. So really important that we do... Uh, put in place these arrangements, but also consider carefully who we are tasking with the trust uh, to make decisions on our behalf. OK, and it is all about protecting yourself um, for the future. And you're running very powerful radio ads at the moment, uh, Patricia. Yes. Uh, because sadly, adult abuse does happen. Absolutely. And another issue for adult abuse is um, chemical strain, you know, polypharmacy and giving people to quieten them down or whatever, you know. Yeah. So that's all sad and also psychological abuse, emotional abuse. So if you don't give me the money, I won't let you see my your grandchildren know, and all of that. So we have to realise uh, and we live in a very ageist society, particularly for older people, even people who have capacity but are old and feeble and frail. We ignore them and we just, uh, you know, uh, take over their decisions. So we have to be very clear about all of that. OK, and uh, once again, it's safeguarding.org if people want to take a look at the... Safeguardingireland.org. Safeguarding yes. Ireland, my apologies. That's and then you get the Think Ahead yes. Uh, yes. resource. Uh, listen, thank you for that. I really enjoyed our chat and um, thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Not at all. Thank Good you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That Bye-bye. is uh, Patricia Rickard-Clark uh, of uh, Safeguarding Ireland, who are a great organisation. I don't know if you've been aware of those ads we've been running. It's not just us. I've heard them on other uh, radio stations as well. It's Safeguarding Ireland uh, is... is running them at the moment just trying to highlight elder abuse and trying to make people aware I think on the financial one in particular a lot of older people do not realise that it's abuse is going on and you know when somebody you know the savings going missing or you need to keep us a very close eye for example on, on your bank account but then even the family member because it is as Patricia says 75% of the elder abuse that goes on particularly financial abuse is done by a family member a family member going on behalf of of mam or, or, or granny to go pick up their pension and they go along they pick up the pension oh sure I'll take 20 euro that's my expenses for going and they don't actually see it as elder abuse it is elder abuse if you're offering to go and collect the pension then you're doing it as a goodwill gesture and you shouldn't be taking any money out of the money that you've collected from the post office that money belongs to the uh, older person and there's a lot of that type of financial abuse going on and as you hear from the ads as well there's a lot of uh, physical and emotional abuse which is just utterly shocking that's why it's important we all plan for our own future to try to protect yourselves against being a victim of uh, elder abuse going forward 1850 we're getting on to the boiler room because people are oh John Paul is is 
pointing down to me. Okay. Uh, this is the Boiler Room Disco. The Boiler Room in Clonakilty are having a disco at Halloween. And because we ran the piece with Barry Roach about what happened in court yesterday, a number of parents are on to us saying, what's happening with the tickets? When are the tickets on sale? Uh, do we have to sign consent forms? Does anybody know what's going on? So we said we'd do our bit and we get on to the organisers. We spoke to the Boiler Room. I'm told the sale of the tickets for the Halloween Boiler Room Disco will take place this evening from half seven to half eight. They will be on sale at the Boiler Room in Clonakilty. You can also get them at the Community Centre in Ballydehob and they'll also be available at the Mart Car Park in McCroom. There's no parental consent form in operation yet. That is still being negotiated but we are told that there is and there is no limit on the tickets uh, tonight so that's for the mother who there's two different mothers actually contacted us one wants to take her daughter and her daughter's two friends and the other parents can't go along to get the tickets tonight so she's opted to drive to Clannacilty to pick up the tickets and was fearful you know, you couldn't sign a parental consent form for another child. Uh, would she be able to buy the tickets? So you will. And there was somebody else who wants to go and buy four tickets. So you can. That part, Those parental consent forms are being negotiated. Now, for the next disco, will it be in place? I don't know. We will wait and see because they're all, all of the organisers are back before the judge next month. And we will keep a close eye on this story. 1850-333-103. John Paul takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, I'm Simon Murdoch. Join me for the all new Cork's More Music Breakfast on C103. I'll bring you all you need to know every morning and plenty of Cork's greatest hits. Turn on C103 and wake up with me. The all new Cork's More Music Breakfast. Weekday, 6 to 10. Only on C103. Now, this week, the Minister of State for Tourism and Sport, Brendan Griffin, launched a joint initiative with Fault Ireland and Tourism Ireland entitled Call of the Wild. The aim of the campaign is to give local people on the Wild Atlantic Way the opportunity to have their hidden gems included in a global social media campaign. Uh, Joining me to discuss it in more detail is six-time All-Ireland winning Cork footballer Orla Finn. Orla is Cork ambassador for this campaign with the Wild Atlantic Way Call of the Wild. Uh, good morning to you, Orla. Good morning to you, oh, you? I'm, I'm, I'm very well and you're very welcome. Two and a half thousand kilometres is what makes up the Wild Atlantic Way. There has to be hundreds, if not thousands, of hidden gems, doesn't there, along the way? Yeah, the, there's so many beautiful scenery along the Wild Atlantic Way. Um, I suppose I'm from Cork here personally, so I know a lot of the the lovely um, scenery around the Wild Atlantic Way and I'm from Kinsale so I think the old head of Kinsale for me is, is such a beautiful spot to go um, and I find I like to spend a lot of my time out in, at the old head just just how tranquil it is out there and there are loads of other many beautiful spots around around the place. And what, what you're looking for here are like little things like hidden coves, intriguing guest houses, scrumptious cafes, sky's the limit really isn't it? Yes, it really is. And it's fantastic um, for all the tourism around just just to kind of, you know, explore the place and explore what kind of different nooks and crannies there are around, you know. And as I say, I'm from Kinsale and it's such a quaint town and there, you know, even the windy roads and all of the beautiful cafes and the beautiful bookshops that they have around, you know, there's there's loads to find. 
And okay, for Call of the Wild, we you need people to take photographs. Yeah, so it's very important for people to post the hidden gems from the Wild Atlantic Way and hashtag their photos and post with hashtag my call of the wild. And if they do this, they can become part of an international campaign and have the opportunity to win a two-night stay along the Wild Atlantic Way, which would be absolutely fantastic. Um, it would be a fantastic prize for anyone to win. And just, just to be able to go out and enjoy the beautiful scenery that we have around and, and to improve um, tourism around. And then the idea is that all of the photographs that are selected, all of the hidden gems, they then will be shared by Tourism Ireland and Fault Ireland and they've got millions of followers. So the idea is the images will go not just for local visitors and visitors from home, but the images will go abroad as well. Yes, they'll go abroad for everyone to see. And, you know, just to get people to show people how, how beautiful Ireland really is. And, you know, it might it might give people the opportunity to say, oh, look, I'd love to go there. That looks like a lovely spot. So they might go and want to suss out the different places that there are along the Wild Atlantic Way. OK, and I know that this, this initiative was made possible. This was the funding that was announced in the budget, wasn't it, for regional tourism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's really important, yeah. Okay, um, and and have you been an ambassador for the Wild Atlantic Way, or is it just for this particular campaign? Yeah, just for for this campaign, you know, and I I can't wait to see the photos. Yeah, it's um, going to be great. Do post to to highlight the beautiful scenery that we have and the beautiful people that are around Ireland as well, and the delicious food that really represents um, the u- unique culture of of our com- of our country. You know, and even in County Cork, as I say, there like down even in West Cork, there's some really really beautiful places and it'd be just fantastic to see um, all of the different places that there are for people to post it's really important that you really post them and to really promote it yeah and it's to open up areas that people haven't visited before and it's, it's it really is a great opportunity so once again just let people know where they can send their hidden gems their photographs to our videos yeah. you can do a little video as well if you, you want you can do a little video as well if you want yeah all you have to do is you hashtag your photos and your post by hashtagging my call of the wild and having said that, if you do this, you could become part of an international campaign, which would be absolutely brilliant for Ireland. OK, and of course, you're also a great ambassador for female sport. No luck on the football front uh, this year, Orla, but a great year getting to the final. And women's sport, it's on the increase, isn't it? And, and it's getting more coverage all the time. It really is, yeah. And there's a new campaign out at the moment, actually, um, 2020 campaign. They're trying to increase. Part, women's participation and attendance in women's sports um, by 20% by the year 2020. So it's absolutely fantastic. And I suppose this year in the All-Ireland Final, there was a huge increase in the numbers again. Mm. Um, there was over 50,000 at the All-Ireland Ladies Football Final, um, which is an absolutely unbelievable. I never thought six years or seven or eight years ago when I was playing for court that we'd ever have the likes of over 50,000 in Crow Park in the Ireland final. It was so incredible. It was absolutely unbelievable, okay. yeah. And hopefully with this 2020 campaign onwards and upwards. Listen, Orla, thank you for that and uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. That thanks. is uh, the lovely Orla Finn, uh, an ambassador for the Wild Atlantic Way for their call of the wild. So the call has gone out. Show us your hidden gems, uh, please, and make sure you share them on social media using the hashtag my wild atlantic way you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed 
Yesterday, during our veterinary slaughter with uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, a uh, listener contacted us to say, well, how would she rehome a goldfish? And where would you go with a goldfish uh, that they no longer wanted? And we, I mean, even Jane was baffled. She wasn't quite sure. I'd suggested maybe going with a pet shop, take back a, a goldfish. Or could you ask around to see did anybody want a goldfish? Well, the lady's been back on again and they are now desperately trying to rehome this goldfish. So we're going to put a call out. She's in the Dromahan area because obviously you're going to have to go and collect the goldfish. It's not something we can post to you. So is there anybody in the North Cork area willing to go to Dromahan or is there anybody in Dromahan that would like to give a home to a goldfish? And we have the lady's contact details here. Uh, if you'd like or somebody in your household maybe you have goldfish already or you're considering getting a goldfish give us a buzz 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and we can put you in contact uh, with each other and another listener has been on looking for help saying hi just wondering if you or any of your listeners would know of anywhere in the West Cork area that sells nice rosary beads for a little girl thanking you. Now, I, I straight away I'm thinking, is it First Holy Communion? But I could be completely wrong with that. Rosary beads for a little girl in the West Cork area, please. Can you give us suggestions of shops that are selling rosary beads? I know some churches will have a little shop at the back of the church. I'm thinking of a church I used to attend quite a lot in Clonmel, St. Peter and Paul's Church, and they always had a little shop that sold you know, called kinds of religious items. And they certainly used to have a fantastic selection of rosary beads. Now, don't even know if that shop is even open anymore because sadly in some towns and villages, the churches have to be closed during the day, which just all, you know, and, and they're only open for masses and because of vandalism. And that just baffles me completely. So I'm assuming if that's the case, a lot of those little shops that would be as part of the church wouldn't be open but anyway uh, so anyway (laughs) if you can suggestions please uh, for shops in the West Cork area selling rosary beads but it's they're particularly for uh, a little girl call us our uh, Texas and I've also been asked to wish the very best of luck to Skull Gobnaton's school choir to wish them the best of luck for tonight. They are singing with the three tenors in the Church of the Resurrection. So you can imagine the excitement around the school. And there is a very proud bunch of parents, one of which contacted me to say, will you wish them the best and best. And that's going to be a lovely evening tonight, actually, in uh, in the Church of the Resurrection. The three tenors are wonderful. I didn't realise that the local school choir from Skull Government Home are taking, uh, taking part. So uh, best of luck to everybody there. Okay, somebody said the Friary in Killarney for rosary beads. Okay, not quite West Cork, but they might be willing to travel to Killarney. That's just come in by text. Thank you for that. We've been talking about the teenage discos earlier. Hi, Patricia, says a texter. There's a wonderful club for teenagers called Foroiga. It's run by adult volunteers, fully supervised. If they attend Foroiga discos, they're not allowed to bring drink. Parents have to sign permission slips for them to travel on the bus. The bus trips always have an adult, one adult to every eight teenagers. They also organise trips to the cinema, etc. And the teenagers know if they misbehave, then their parents will be called immediately. Um, and then the, this person has given me details of the Froiga Youth Officer for West Corks, the Froiga, yeah, well, well, well run organisation. But the problem we have with these teenage discos and the children on the bus, 
the young people they probably kill me for calling them uh, children but they are children they're under 18 but the young people organise organise the buses themselves so the young person will go around and will collect I don't know I don't know how much it would even be to, to hire a bus. So they hire the bus and say it's five euro ahead. So one one or two young people will get together. Entrepreneurial young people, you have to say. They'll book a bus. They then will collect the money from everybody. They will pay the bus driver on the, on the either on the night or beforehand. Bus turns up. Everybody piles onto the bus. They drop them to the disco. Everybody gets off the bus. Some people falling off the bus from what we're hearing. And then they attend the disco and then they're back on the bus. And so the, the you know, the, the bus driver's responsibility is to get them to the disco in one piece and to collect them afterwards. But they're not. And bus companies will tell you it's not their responsibility to search anybody getting on the bus to see if they have drink and are drugs. It's also not their responsibility to see what the young people are doing on the bus. Their responsibility is driving them and driving them. And I know people will say, well, if it's driving them safely, if they're getting very drunk on the bus, how safe, how, how safe is that? So what you're suggesting would be fantastic if we could get parents to organise the bus um, and could you see parents, one parent for every eight children getting on the bus? I don't know if that's uh, if that can happen or not. But if the parents get involved and you have a number of parents on the bus, maybe yeah, it certainly would stop anybody drinking if they thought a mammy or a daddy was on the bus or if they thought their mother or father would be would be phoned to say that your Johnny or your Mary has been drinking on the bus and you've got to uh, come and collect them. OK, still getting calls in about Peter Casey. Just to let you know, in case you missed the news at 12 midday, the, the update on... Peter Casey and will Peter Casey pull out of the presidential race or not Uh, we know he announced earlier that he is taking the weekend off from the campaign to consider carefully about whether to continue in the race or not when it now seems and we await his decision he'll make his decision by Sunday evening and he'll make the announcement on Monday morning but it seems now he can't pull out of the presidential election even if he wants to um, he uh, he the it's it's too late now and I did when I read out his previous statement I did think what about the ballot papers this is him already on the ballot paper and for that reason the candidate is too late for a candidate to back out the government have confirmed his name will appear on the ballot paper this day next week regardless of what he does and regardless of what decision he makes now what he can do is he can tell people if he decides that he's pulling out of the race he can tell people don't vote for me but they will still have the option because his name is going to be on the ballot paper regardless they have no way all of those ballot papers are well printed at this stage so he literally can he, he can't stop his name on the ballot paper and his and his picture. So therefore, regardless of what decision he makes, he can he equally can't stop people for from voting for um, him. Uh, so that's just the very latest on that. And I'm and I'm assuming Peter Casey will be made aware of that as well. That regardless of what he does, his name is going to appear on the ballot paper. So question now is going to be if he does decide if he does come out on Monday and says no I've decided I don't want to run anymore I don't want people to vote vote for me he can't stop anyone voting for him so it'll be very very interesting at the count centre will it not some people very annoyed with Leo Varadkar and actually Peter Casey is very annoyed with uh, Leo Varadkar as well because Leo Varadkar technically came out during the week when the statements were made about the travelling community and technically told people not to vote for uh, Peter Casey. Someone says, how dare that creature, Leo Varadkar, uh, 
put how dare how dare that creature Leo Leo Varadkar put up the put himself in the position where he tells people where he tells somebody to stop a citizen from running for president of this country. At the end of the day, that citizen was telling the truth. He is the one that should resign. And um, I'm not going to get into to that. Anyway, the uh, another text. The, ta- the tail wags the dog. The dog needs to wake up. Why does the underwear issue surprise you, Patricia? And this, is, this was the earlier comment in from a listener saying, was I aware that young people today go out without any underwear, young females go out without any underwear? And I was going to take back saying no I had not heard that why does it surprise you says this texter it seems all womanly womanly decency is out of fashion and society will pay the price people no longer have morals there, there's nothing taught as wrong to do anymore and we as a society are we calling this progress whereas brain dead would be more like it says a, a texter we don't teach morals uh, anymore, or morals not taught in school anymore. I mean, I, I come from the generation where we were taught by nuns. Now, some of the things the nuns taught us now it would have been from a moral point of view, but some of our, some of the stuff they they taught us was utterly bizarre. The one that always and will always stand out in my mind: if you ever needed to sit on a boy's lap on a bus, and it could only ever be on a bus, and and I remember that used to baffle me. Why why is it only ever on a bus to be sitting on a boy's lap? You had to have at least two at least at least two phone books are books equivalent to phone books between placed on the boy's lap and then you sat on top of that I could never understand why and it wasn't explained why and again I was questioning well, where would you get the? I think I asked that question where would you get the phone book from when you're on the bus and then I was told well the equivalent size of phone book you could do it with folded up newspapers as well and I was thinking you need a lot of newspapers wouldn't you anyway, all a bit bizarre but morals were certainly taught in my day I don't know are they not taught anymore in school according to this listener they're not so we shouldn't be uh, surprised by it. Okay, also coming in to us, Leo should keep his mouth shut. If Michael D. Higgins got sick or anything before the election and there was a big shift in the vote, uh, Peter Casey's way, they would all have to work together, says Eugene. I did think when I heard Leo Varadkar, now I know you'd say, oh, well, look at the opinion polls, but I did think when I heard Leo Varadkar say it, what, you know, when what, with what he came out about uh, Peter Casey, what if Peter Casey went on to be president? It would be an awkward first conversation between the Taoiseach and the president, would it not? And I suppose Leo Varadkar's handlers would say, well, there's, and pigs will fly, Patricia, if you think that is going to happen. Someone else says Leo Varadkar is the leader of the largest party in the country. He is well entitled to comment on the election. That's in from Morris who thinks it is wrong of anyone to be criticising Leo Varadkar, he has a right to say. Even though I don't know, is he allowed to get involved and tell people not to vote for somebody? I, I don't know if that's interfering with the with the process of electing. I'd have to check out the rules and regulations around that, particularly when, you know, it's different when you have a candidate running and you can ask people to vote for a candidate, but to actually stand up and say, do not vote for another candidate. I, do, I don't know legally where he stands on that. Maybe that's something that does uh, need to be uh, checked out. OK, have we got some suggestions we do for the listener who is looking for the rosary beads for a little girl? 
I mentioned the Friary in Killarney for the Rosary Beats. Thank you for that one. Cotter's Printers near the cinema in McCroom. They do lovely Rosary Beats, says uh, a listener. Ger says, try O'Sullivan's in Skibbereen. Or there's a lovely old shop in Kenmare selling religious items. If you go to the city, Wilton Church have a shop and St. Augustine's have a shop. And certainly any of those shops that are linked to churches will certainly uh, sell rosary beads. OK, some nice, some suggestions coming in there. Thank you for that. 1850-333-103. And on underage drinking, Dolan and McCroom was on to say, problem we have today is drink is too readily available for young people. Off licence should be closed down. We have too many of them. Pubs should be the only place where you should go buy drink, says Donna. You shouldn't be able to buy it in supermarkets or the local garage. Are there so many places now where you can buy alcohol? It should only be available in a pubs. That's from Donal. That's a cheap hitting the microphone. That's from Donal and McCrew. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And as we mentioned, and let's give another mention to it, the three tenors are appearing in concert at the Church of the Resurrection in Mallow tonight at 8. Tickets are available at the Parish Centre office in Bank Place. And there will also be tickets available at the door with all proceeds going to the Mallow Parish Capital Project. And as we speak, there is a charity coffee day going on in the Barista Academy in Bandham. Uh, pop by and enjoy a very special blend of coffee from Rwanda called Ruku. All proceeds raised will be donated to the Irish Community Rapid Response Air Ambulance. Fundraising concert in the Riverside Hotel in McCroom tonight at 8 with special guests Anime McHugh, High Hopes Choir, John Kehill Storyteller and Emma Not Flower of McCroom. There will also be lots of local talent proceeds going to Cook Penny Dinners and the Simon community. The Terence McSweeney weekend runs across this weekend in Kilmurray. The opening address tonight in Kilmurray Church at half past seven. Kilbehenny Community Centre are hosting from eight o'clock tonight a comedy fashion show featuring the Kilbehenny Model Agency and sketches from the local junior, dra- junior drama group. All are welcome. Derry Claw School are holding a night out in the Parkway Hotel in Dalmanway tonight with music by Finbar Dennehy. Refreshments will be served and there'll be a raffle. All are welcome. Clyde Rovers Lotto Draw. That's on tonight in the Railway Bar in Ballinamona. Jackpot there, 12 and a half thousand euro and a special Halloween themed Kilavallen Farmers Market will be held at the Nanonagle Centre tomorrow Saturday half ten to one prizes for best dressed Halloween costume also face painting will be available Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 more of your comments coming in Margaret makes a very interesting point about discos and I have a funny feeling that a number of people might agree with Margaret this is when we're talking about young people going to discos and some of them getting so intoxicated that they actually pass out and we've had occasions where they've needed to be uh, hospitalised Margaret said when mine were going to the disco they did go but I barely had enough money to give them to cover the cost of going to into the disco so who's giving the money for the drink because drink isn't cheap and I know we talk about you can get cheap drink but you know um, where are they getting the money for the alcohol 
do they have too much money today? And yet, says Margaret, on the other side of the fence, we hear people crying out looking for back to school clothing and footwear allowance. Only this week we heard from the Society of Vincent de Paul that enough isn't paid out on that allowance and that families are really, really struggling, particularly families of teenagers and transition year and all of that uh, was mentioned. So Margaret said she feels the youngsters today have too much, too easy and we are back again to parental responsibility because it has to be the parents giving them the money. I mean, I'm assuming some of them, the older, probably the teenagers may have part time jobs, but the younger ones certainly wouldn't. Where are they getting the money for the alcohol, which is which is uh, an interesting point. OK, thank you for that, Margaret. Eddie in Mallow. This is back to Peter Casey. He should go after Leo. Peter Case, you go after Leo for basically telling people not to vote for him. What if it was the other way around? The man told the truth. I think Peter Casey will get a lot of votes because of what has happened. Michael, by by WhatsApp, says Patricia, Peter Casey is doing the right thing by taking the weekend out for reflection on his position. He's made his bed. He should sleep on it. He should watch his own tongue not somebody else's. Is he going to be another Trump with a few hundred security following him around? Look at the large guard, the presence that was needed uh, yesterday in Tipperary. And thankfully nothing happened in, in Tipperary, but I did notice that when I was watching it on the TV. There was a large guard, the presence. I suppose people, that's the, it's the reason that there was a large media presence that people would have loved, or the media would have loved that. They would have certainly got a story if something had kicked off. Now, thankfully nothing did and everybody was very respectful uh, to each other. But what what... What struck me about it was because I was prepping for the programme today and I knew I was doing the piece at the top of the programme about rural crime and I was looking at Garda overtime figures have been slashed and, you know, the need for having more Garda on the beat and in the, you know, in patrol cars in rural areas. And I was just thinking, well, how many Garda were taken up protecting Peter Casey yesterday? in case something kicked off between him and members of the travelling community. And you sort of look at that and think, isn't that a complete and utter waste? And yet he, the other flip side of it is the man has to be protected as well. Now, thankfully, uh, nothing happened. But as we've now been hearing, uh, Michael, he, he can he can tell people not to vote for him, but he technically can't pull out of the race. His name is going to be on that ballot paper regardless. Hi, this is Christy, says Patricia. Recently, Leo Vradko said that immigrants are more likely to work and to pay taxes than Irish people. Was that not racist? And yet there was no uproar over that. And Anthony, who signs his name, Anthony at work, says it's just a welcome to the world of politics. This is for Peter Casey. Welcome to the world of politics and this oversensitive PC world that we now live in. He fell at the first fence. For Radke's party, a big time Michael D. Higgins supporter, so he won't rock the boat at any stage. So says Anthony at, at work. Thank you for that. And I have read that one out. OK, let me look at what else is coming in to us. On Lots of people saying O'Sullivan's in Skibbereen for the rosary beads. What have we got in on rosary beads into John Paul? Uh, we've had some calls. John Paul says the Mitchellstown area when I mentioned St. Peter and Paul's Church in Clamellan that they used to have a little shop and I was wondering if it's still there. Uh, that shop is still open says people in the Mitchellstown area who obviously go to Clamellan a lot and they, they do lots of rosary beads. Yeah, I just remember them doing all of the various religious I, I actually remember buying a pair of rosary beads in there for a First Holy Communion 
for a godchild of me. That's why it's, it was in my mind. Um, and in, it's West Cork, though, we're looking for the listener. Uh, and in Skibbereen, there's the shop in Skibbereen that stocks everything, including rosary beads. It's on the main. That's O'Sullivan, so thank you. Everybody's calling, uh, everyone's saying that one. Uh, the Carmelite Friary in Kinsale does lovely rosary beads, says somebody else. And uh, Niall in Kilworth said, interesting to hear you mention the rosary beads, Patricia. Do people remember reciting the rosary every evening before bed in the home? We used to do it and always if visiting our grandparents. I wonder do families still do it? I would be interested uh, to hear. I do. I remember the family rosary and I remember there was a saying, the family that prays together stays together. And we used to joke in our house to, to our mother as we got older, saying we're praying too much, you'll never get rid of us. And um, yeah, I I remember. Now we we didn't do it. We mustn't have been. We were religious without being overly religious. We did it in the month of May and the month of October. We knelt down every evening and said the rosary. I do know friends of mine who said the rosary every evening, but they were the two months I remember. My my mother certainly said the rosary every single evening and had a list of prayers that she used to do. But the forcing us to do it when we were younger it was uh, it was May and October with the two months I remember so I don't know I mean I've no idea uh, but we'll put it out there to families do is that still a tradition going on in families do families still say a family rosary either every night or like that at certain times of the year I would be interested to hear uh, if they do or not because you know I mean children will get rosary beads you see and I don't know it's for a little girl I don't know if this is for it's not first holy communion season so it's possibly not um, but children get you know rosary beads in the first holy communion do they get rosary beads in their confirmation or is that something that's gone I mean you would only get rosary beads if you're going to be saying the rosary I mean certainly when I was growing up we all had our own set of rosary beads and then you got a new set for communion you would have got a new set for confirmation but I don't know because so because with less and less people practising People still identify as being Catholic, but actually practicing Catholicism are two very, very different things. So the family rosary, is that still there? Would be interested to hear. Just on the presidential election and whether Peter Casey could pull out of the race or not, and now it seems like he can. Somebody has pointed out, and I should have thought of this, that the postal votes, they've already cast their votes already, so Peter Casey may already have received votes at this stage. So regardless of what decision he makes over the weekend, while he's thinking about it, he won't be officially able to pull out of the race. His name will still be on the ballot paper so people can vote for him whether he wants people to vote for them or not. Okay, we're going to the movies. Mark Malone joins me. He's over the phone this week. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you went on to the movies to see a movie. I, I have to say, the name of the movie makes me smile. The House with a Clock in Its Walls. It's an unusual name. And Bad Samaritan is the DVD. And I am told I have a... A trailer from The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Here we are. Home sweet home. Welcome to a house where magic lives. There's one rule. Don't open that, ever. I feel like Uncle Jonathan's hiding something. What's that ticking? Have you told Lewis about the clock? Not exactly. It's in there. No! Creepy. The house with a clock in its walls. Rated PG. Okay, is this? It's described as a. a it's a family movie, uh, obviously a comedy and a fantasy movie. Yeah, do you know what it is? It's horror for kids. Horror for kids. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. Maybe scary movie. 
Okay. It's not saying horror, but uh, it has been described as that. It's been horror for kids, but it's, I think it's a scary movie for kids, is what it is. And I'm I'm kind of very sensitive and overly sensitive about that kind of thing, and I always have been over the years. There was a film called The Hole, which was released some years ago, and there was a lot of discussion about it, and um, it was quite kind of creepy and scary in parts, and yet it was marketed uh, at kids. I don't know how you feel about that, but you know, I know yeah. I couldn't. Have, I mean, this is a PG-rated film. I know I couldn't have shown this to my ten-year-old because this yeah, you see, I think it it depends on on the child. Uh, very much so, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what, um, you know, it's parental guidance and that's what uh, its rating has. So it's up to the parents to decide if their under 10-year-olds will be fine with this. I mean, there are a couple of kind of cre- really, really creepy scenes in this film that I know my 10-year-old would have been very, very frightened by. Yeah. Uh, so it's up to basically parents to decide on whether or not they want their kids to see it. Because, uh, you know, it's, it, to, to get the balance between funny and scary is actually very, very difficult. Absolutely. You know, and especially when you consider this is directed by Eli Roth, who has made some of the most nasty movies. <laughs> you can imagine movies like Cabin Fever... Uh, he made hostile movies as well, which were really nasty. Uh, he did make Death Wish recently with Bruce Willis, uh, which was a terrible movie. But obviously he um, has been given the money to make this, and it's been really, really successful. It has done very well. But again, of course, it will be up to parents to decide on whether or not their kids will be kind of uh, mature enough to be able to deal with some of the scenes. Because um, it's basically this haunted house, and when the house kind of comes alive, so therefore all everything within the house comes alive as well. And there are scenes, for example, uh, when dolls, which creepy dolls, come to oh. life. Oh, hey, creepy dogs. Exactly. And also pumpkins with teeth come to the, you know, come to, to, to life as well and start to attack the, the uh, members of the cast. And I mean, that is kind of creepy and that is kind of scary. So keep that in mind. And the rest of it, certainly the first half of the film, it's almost like a kind of a Harry Potter film. There are some really, really nice moments with this house because it is alive, uh, in a sense. And, uh, you know, the photographs and the pictures of the wall come to life. Um, so do all the furniture. Um, there's an, an armchair in the film and it's like a little dog and runs around kind of wagging yeah. its tail and stuff. And that's kind of cute. And it's very cute in that kind of sense for the first half of the film. Unfortunately, the second half it does kind of uh, run out of steam and that's a, a bit of a shame but up until then it's really really entertainment with attaining with really lovely little kind of moments for example at one stage Jack Pack goes to open a door and the knob moves before he puts his hand on it you know and little mm. kind of clever little moments like that and that's very very good and I enjoy that it does come a little bit become a little bit more kind of ponderous for the second half which is a bit of a shame so basically the clock the house with the clock on the walls is exactly what it is um Jack Black can hear this clock. He knows it's set within the wall somewhere, but he's desperate to find it because what it is, actually, it's a doomsday clock and it is counting down to the end of the world. And it's been put there by a former partner of his, played by Kyle MacLachlan, who plays his character by Isaac Izzard, who wants to destroy the world. But he is dead. And at one stage, you hear it there in the trailer where Jack Black turns to the little boy in this film and says, do not touch that. And basically what that is, it's, it's a book locked away in a cupboard and that can bring back people to life. Now, the little boy is an orphan and he decides well look you know with this book maybe I could bring my parents back but what he actually does is he brings the character of Isaac Izzard back uh, from Colin McLaughlin and so basically the film then becomes this kind of battle between Jack Black Kate Blanchett who is the witch who lives next door to Jack Black who is a warlock uh, to fight against uh, Colin McLaughlin who is this kind of super wizard who wants to destroy the world Okay, so actually, my, Mike in Grenas says I took my eight, my eleven-year-old and my eight-year-old to the movie, and they both loved it. So it does. It depends on the child. You exactly. will get, you'll get some chil- children who love to George. So what, I mean, the comedy bit of it was there laugh out loud moments. I just I wouldn't call it laugh out loud. I mean, okay. you know, there are some amusing moments, and uh, you know, Jack Black is very, very good at that kind of thing, and um, and Kate Blanchett is terrific. The little boy, uh, his name is Owen Vaccaro. I don't know where they find 
where Hollywood finds these children, but he is quite extraordinary and has this kind of lovely, subtle kind of blend of kind of heroism and, and innocence, which kind of really, really works. Um, as I say, the film looks fabulous. I mean, most of it is said, actually, it's very kind of claustrophobic. It's actually set mostly within the house. But uh, certainly there are some kind of cre- creepy moments. So, uh, But I enjoyed it very much indeed. My teenager, I watched it with her, and she very much uh, enjoyed it as well. But she did say to me, look, if I was a little girl, I would be frightened by this. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> All right, Mark, it out of 10? I think that's seven. Seven out of ten, okay. Yeah. It's the house with a clock in its walls and obviously it's timely for Halloween and all of that and that's the reason it's been exactly. released around now. Now, Bad Samaritan DVD or streaming, what's this? Um, yeah, this is, um, this is directed by Dean Devlin who had a very, very good start to his career. He started off as a writer. And like his first three films, for example, were Universal Soldier, Stargate and Independence Day. I mean, that's a very, very good start to anybody's career. And he must have thought, well, you know, this is pretty easy. As a director, his, you know, it hasn't been that easy for him. He did direct Geostorm which came out a couple of years ago with Jared Butler, which was a terrible movie. Um, so here he is with a film called Bad Samaritan, which has a very, very much kind of an Irish influence in it. I mean, obviously Irish actors are very popular in Hollywood at the moment. And uh, we saw recently there Jonathan Rhys Myers in the film Black Butterfly, which I like very, very much indeed. Now, he played an American in this. Uh, in this, it has Robert Sheehan and Kerry Condon, both Irish actors. And the interesting thing is that uh, Robert Sheehan has been allowed to speak with an Irish accent. And I thought that was kind of cool. Kerry Condon plays an American in it. And she's got a very, very good uh, American accent. So Robert Sheehan, basically, he's a valet. He's one of these guys who uh, parks the cars for people when they turn up at restaurants. Mm-hmm. But he's also a thief. And what he does is he uses the car to break into their home security systems because, first of all, he's got the sat-nav, which will tell them where they live. Yeah. And most people then, uh, their, um, their security systems can actually be controlled by the car itself as well. So they can actually turn off the, the security system. So keep that in mind, by the way, if you, uh, if you have yeah, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> so then he goes in and he robs the house. Now, one day, this man, this horrible uh, man arrives at the restaurant, and he is uh, played by David Tennant, who plays this ca- character called Cale Erendrich. And he's a nasty piece of work, so they decide, well, look, we're going after this guy. So they go to his house. Um, well, Robert Sheehan does. Uh, his buddy stays behind. And um, whilst he's in the house and potentially robbing the house, he finds this woman uh, in this room. And she is tied up uh, with leather straps, and uh, her mouth is um, is bandaged as well. And she, he notices that she's also been physically abused as well. But whilst he's trying to get her and set her free, what happens? David Tennant comes back <gasps> into the house, so he's got to leave. Oh. Uh, David Tennant, uh, who is this kind of master technology expert, finds out who uh, Robert Sheehan is, and basically goes after Robert Sheehan and tries to kind of frame him and destroy his life and his family as well. Um, because Robert Sheehan actually does go to the police and say, look, yes, I was there to rob the house, but there is this woman. When the police go back, of course, the woman has gone. So you end up with this kind of cat and mouse kind of um, scenes to try uh, for David Tennant to try and destroy his life. And it sounds as if it's going to be really, really good. Yeah. And a lot of it is, and it's really, really frustrating. We've seen a lot of this before. I mean, there's nothing particularly original, uh, original about this. And that's part of its problem. I think it's very, very kind of, it's very cliched. And in fact, considering that uh, the director, you know, uh, is a ter- Dean Devlin is a terrific writer, it's almost as if it was written by a couple of guys out of college who has never seen a film before. And, <laughs> you know, at times it doesn't really, really quite work, which is a bit of a shame. And I think uh, a lot of the problems, too, is with Robert Sheehan. I think he's a fine actor and has a very good American accent. I've seen him before. But the, I wasn't that keen on his performance. I think there are times when he's too much and there's times when he's not giving enough. But um, he's still pretty entertaining. David Tennant is loving being this character. I mean, just this completely mad, crazy, out of his head kind of violent piece of work. And he's having a great time. And he is the best thing in this film by, by you know, 
by a long mile. So I was at no stage was I bored by it. I was entertained by uh, by it a lot. But at the same time, you were thinking, I've seen a lot of this before, and I've yeah. seen it done better, unfortunately. But I would recommend it. Okay, Bad Samaritan. Mark it out of ten. I give that one a six. Six out yeah. of ten. Okay, and you can get that on DVD. Okay, thank you for that. Have a okay. lovely week. We'll talk again next uh, Friday when, of course, it'll be Bank Holiday Friday. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. And just very quickly, and I know there's a couple of texts in on this saying saying the same thing on the rosary beads to say they can you can get rosary beads at the Clonakilty Parish Church. They've got rosary beads at the back of the church for somebody in West Cork who's looking for rosary beads uh, earlier on. And while we're mentioning Clonakilty uh, Church, can I wish Mike DC, the building foreman on the parochial house renovation in Clonakilty, a happy retirement today after 50 years of service with O'Sullivan. So happy retirement uh, to Mike uh, DC. And another quick mention to the fundraising coffee morning initiative, which is currently taking place at Java Republic Outlet at the bypass on the the bypass business park in Bandon. All proceeds from today's event, which runs until four o'clock this afternoon, is going towards the fantastic new community air ambulance service. We've spoken about this air ambulance before. They need to raise two million euro a year. It's a lot of money. So everybody calls in to the coffee day will be entered into a draw for hampers for the from Java Republic coffee teas and hot chocolates. That's all going on today. Today the bypass in the the Bypass Business Park in Bandon until four o'clock this afternoon. We have got the most wonderful listeners listening to this programme. Somebody has been on from the Treasure Chest Jewellers in Mitchellstown to say they are going to give uh, the listener who is looking for rosary beads, they're going to give um, uh, they're going to give her a set of rosary beads free for that little girl. It's not such a really kind, sweet thing to do. Thank you. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And by the way, for the first time, water is flowing down the new fish pass this afternoon on the River Bandon with the works going on there. Can I wish the best of luck to everyone? Everybody involved in the fourth annual Scarecrow Festival in Lep Village. Lep will be the place to be from tomorrow for the next 10 days. It comes alive with scarecrows. It's a wonderful, wonderful event. Good luck to all involved. That's where I leave you for today and indeed for this week. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We'll talk to you Monday morning at 10 on to the Land Patricia Messenger. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. 
Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.